Back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And kicking off this week, we have a very special uh, discologist edition of our podcast. This is when we go back through and, and take a look at uh, older albums, classic albums, maybe sometimes not so classic as in this case, uh, and see how they hold up, or maybe see how we felt about them, or maybe like just give you a giant information dump. Uh, this one, I think, is unlike any other. We usually don't tape here on Friday nights uh, because it can get a little bit silly. Back in the olden days, um, we would <laughs> drink a lot at these things, and um, and they took like three or four or five hours sometimes, and uh, and it was fun. And hopefully it's fun for you guys to listen. I'm going to be uploading a bunch of those soon, uh, which I'll tell you about in the, after the, this conversation. But... Uh, uh, but, you know, we generally do it during the week so we can keep it nice and tight. Uh, this is not nice and tight, but it is wonderful. It is, uh, my friend Carrie came down, you know her, and, uh, friend Michael Kentoff from the Caribbean, and his friend Dave from the Caribbean also plays guitars in there to come down and talk about the Grateful Dead's In the Dark. Now, we've been hitting on the Grateful Dead a little bit lately, and it's because I like the Grateful Dead, and we all here like the Grateful Dead. Uh, but more more importantly, it's because they're, they're still a very relevant band. In the Dark came out 30 years ago, I think like two weeks ago. And it was the song Touch of Grey that actually sort of kickstarted a whole new generation and sent them off on their long, strange trip uh, that some of them might nev- have never returned. They might still be on it. See, speaking of friends on Fish Tour. Um, and, uh, and so it being 30... And us being old, we said, hey, let's talk about it. And so we did, and it was great. Uh, and then uh, I think, well, you'll, you'll hear what we think of this album after 30 years. Uh, but it's a fun, super fun conversation. And that's all we're doing this week. So if you guys are ready, if you got your beverage or your vape pen, whatever you need uh, to, to get into this heady mood, let's head on down to the basement and uh, shoot the shit with some of my friends. Talking about the Grateful Dead's In the Dark at 30 years old. I missed the formal <laughs> discussion. What would that look like? Yeah, you have to. You, you have to. Well, submit a form. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, you right. have to submit a form, and you have to don't then, submit and then, it too soon. And then amend like security clearance. And then form. amend don't the form that. and add perhaps a hundred people onto said form. <laughs> That's Fun. no good. Yeah, you're down here on Friday night, Carrie. Terrible I know. movie. <laughs> I, have, I have like a lot of other better things to do, but this is also <laughs> <Yeah>. great. <laughs> that that Kushner hater here politics. is, is Dave. <laughs> From the Car- Caribbean, Caribbean, it doesn't matter, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't matter. 
It doesn't. Welcome to the basement, sir. I'm glad I'm um, glad nice. our friend Michael brought you along. Michael, welcome back. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be here. You, fa- you I, found I, your. I've uh, talked you up, so you better be a lot of fun. You found your Dave's... device, so we're all we're all good. Yeah, we're, we're good. good. Yeah, um, you know, we've been on a little bit of a dead kick uh, lately. We covered shit. I don't know, like seven hours of dead shows or something. Uh, and it was fun. It was a lot of fucking fun. And and people were like, well, why don't you do more dead stuff? Uh, Those be- people were the voices in your head. Those no, no. Actual it actually, they, they are they, they are the most <laughs> well, downloaded episodes this year. <laughs> aside from George, aside, so, hey, you know. That's so funny. <laughs> the most downloaded except for George Michael. So whatever <laughs> what does you that wa- say about our audience? Whatever you want to make of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then I was just like dicking around on the internet, came around, and, and we're always looking to do these sort of discologist things, these... Th- anniversary things and turns out uh that after turning old just turned 45 i realized i really am fucking old because 30 years ago in the dark came out and for those of you guys who don't know what in the dark is you know all this hype this year especially deserved hype for the grateful dead talking about 77 78 all these great shows uh a lot of people came to this back in 1987 uh when the grateful dead released a track it was called Touch of Grey, and, uh, and, uh, and we're going to play a little bit of it right now, and then we're going to get into like how this sort of changed a lot of things. Cause, and I, I actually personally want to find out like where you guys were, because like, I sort of know where you were, but I don't know where you womb. were, Dave, but where you guys were when this came out. Because where yeah. I was was listening to Yes consistently, but also, <laughs> listen to, but also listening to Mr. Mister <laughs> and Aha. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, this thing that, that, honestly, I thought the Grateful Dead were devil worshippers, and instead they sounded like this. That, that refrain, I will survive, I will get by, uh, that is, um, you know, what, at this point, what, 30 years, 30 plus years into their career, Jerry had suffered a, a major, like, I think it was a stroke? He had a stroke. He had a stroke 86. on stage, was it? No. 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 
he had a stroke, uh, and so this was sort of the comeback from that. Uh, and this was a band who notoriously, people say, very rarely made a good album. I mean, you've got the duo of American Beauty and uh, Working Men's Dead. Beyond that, you know, you're not really going to reach for a lot of studio albums. Anthem so of the Sun, I think, is a really good record. Anthem, Anthem of the Sun, is a well, good yeah, but that, that's going back. A cool record. But but let's, sure. let's, yeah. let's, be, let's be real. Like, how many people are going to reach for that if they're thinking of the Grateful Dead? Accessibility wise, I I went through a little kick with Anthem of the Sun. Okay, a year or so ago, I'd never heard it. Oh, oh, uh, and and owned it. Yeah, so I picked it up and yeah. uh, and checked it out. And I thought it, I thought it was surprisingly like great. Yeah. actually, it's I, a I, 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 record. I I totally yeah. I totally dug it. I mean, I mean, I agree. I, what, I think it's what a great year did that come out? Sixty eight. Sixty eight. Yeah. So you're looking at what it was competing with at the time, and it probably didn't really resonate. Yeah, it sounds like the acid test. Oh, I'm sure it didn't. And then a lot of it's live, too. They took live tapes and they mixed them yes. up and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. But... but it sounds amazing now because you're looking for it again. Yeah. With, with, with this, uh, they come off uh, Grateful They Go to Heaven, which was kind of a shit album. Actually, it wasn't kind of a shit album. It was pretty much a Although shit album. Although it has a, a favorite Latter-day Garcia song for me, which is Althea. I love Althea. Is Althea Same. on that? Same. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. And, and it's Los, also Los uh, Taylor. It's Senator Franken's... Uh... Yeah. favorite uh, Senator, that, that yeah. song as well. Yeah, have you seen the documentary? I haven't, it's but, amazing. Uh, but I want it's to. absolutely amazing. Um, so, so these guys uh, were sort of obviously tour uh, tour dogs. They're on the road all the time. All these songs up here mostly were around, I think, since the early 80s, and they just hadn't like put them on record. I know what the they've, been, was, yeah. they've been playing them live and stuff. And so there wasn't really an expectation necessarily that they would do anything great. Uh, but that song that you just heard went to number nine on the Billboard Top 200 chart. Uh, it was on the radio literally nonstop. once an hour yeah. when I was in high school. And and I think... The, I mean, MTV as well. Yeah. Well, uh, let me... MTV oh, because it was a video. video. That was a video right. with all the skeletons, yes. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Do you, do you think that's because people were like, this song is great, or it's because the people generally, I think if you're working in radio, uh, you're going to be a little more musically open-minded, and they were like, finally... They have something we can play on the fucking radio. Well, I can tell you that this is my mom's favorite Grateful Dead song. And my mom <laughs> doesn't particularly get into this genre mom doesn't at exist. all. Uh, my mom, who uh, who I don't have because I was hatched from. An that's egg. right. That's right. Um, the, but my mom and I, this, uh, this came out in 87. 87 is the year that I turned 18, graduated from high school, and started college. And the high school and college were both in a state where the number one export is pot. So, um this was on heavy rotation at my high school and also my college. Um, <laughs> but my mom and I would be in the car, and this would come on, and she would just be like, oh, this is such a great song. Who is this? I was like, it's a Grateful Dead, Mom. Right. Huh. I thought they were into drugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. that, that, they're not exclusive, Mom. You can also put out also, you know, some pretty good songs. And you know what? A lot of stuff you listen to, those guys are into drugs. So, hey. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But this is, this is so accessible to everybody. Yeah. Whether you loved the old dead and you wanted something that finally was like, oh, my God, they're back. Whether you wanted something happy, mm-hmm. whether you wanted something poppy. I mean, it kind of it was a nice bridge between the dross they'd been putting out and then um, actually something that you could play on the radio over and over. Again. Well, I, I think I think, too, because like so I was 15 when this came out. And if you think about like the the iconography of the dead and what, what you have, uh, you know, it's all like skulls and roses and stuff. And if you just never heard them. Uh, especially MTV is all like, oh, it's a skull. It's got to be like blue oyster cult, which of course is metal and evil and and all that stuff. And so you don't you like and and where I was growing up was in Lynchburg, Virginia. So that's the town of Jerry Falwell. 
So, you know, you didn't have yeah. all these drugs. And, and, you, and that is a mean interview. Huh? Right. That is a mean interview. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you, you didn't have all these things. And then it, it wasn't supposed to be accessible, like, at all. Like, there weren't people sitting around my town playing the dead. You know, you'd see them in their tie-dye. You could ID them, like, oh, shit, that guy's on drugs. Well, there also wasn't supposed but, to be a Grateful Dead single. Like there was, was, yeah, there wasn't supposed to be a great because there was no classic rock station at that point. Right. It was current. <laughs> it, was like, it wasn't like you could turn it on and be like, oh, that Uncle John's band is a sweet song. Like they, people just weren't playing that. Uh, they were actually playing. Uh, was it Manic Monday? I think was out that year. The Bangles. It's you a know, good song. It's a great song. It's a great song. But uh, but, you know, it's not a good song. They're playing this stuff. And, and all of a sudden, song. you know, for people my age, you saw uh, the older kids who were into the dead turned like a really like stinky eye on us and looked at us because they were going out on tour they were seeing this band and all of a sudden all us kids were like who's this this is great and 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 it was something i don't think anybody including the band ever thought was going to happen because at this point they were there was like albums to fulfill contracts essentially did you see them after this after this album came out i've never seen them are you serious i saw them before and after this album came out and i when I first got into The Dead, which was probably around 84, I guess, uh, Touch of Grey, I love Touch of Grey, but I listened to versions from 82, yeah. which is awesome. I don't like this version. I don't like that. Oh, it's super polished. It's also, it takes kind of the starch out of the song. It's, there's a little bit of a grit to the song that I think enhances its poppiness that I really like. And I don't, I, I and, and of course they played that, that da-da-da-da after the record came out, because that yeah, was what they sure. did. Um, but I remember re- this is one of the first songs when I started listening to tapes in the eighties mm-hmm. that are like that's a really cool song and I dug it. Yeah. Uh, so it and this is a very different song to me. Well, yeah. it's 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 funny because they they recorded this thing and the the name of the place was Marin Ver- Veterans Memorial Auditorium in uh, San Rafael, California. Their idea was to actually capture the live sound, which is what every jam band, every live band, primarily live band, wants to do. They're like, oh, you you. Like the joke about jam bands, especially them and like Fish, who came after, and everybody's like, Why the albums panic? don't matter, man. It's just it's the live show you got to see. So they people end up always chasing in the studio to get that live sound when it's actually two different things. But they basically played in an empty auditorium uh, to record these songs and like record had a truck outside, yeah. and they sort of did. I mean, that's sort of what the Rolling Stones did with Exile on Main Street. They just did it in a French mansion. Well. And Zeppelin did it with physical graffiti. They yeah. had the Rolling Stone truck, and they did it with Headley Grange or whatever that place is. You know, they did a lot of the records there. I yeah, this record doesn't sound live to me at all. You know, it just never has. I, it, it's. I, I was reminded. Well, I don't want to jump ahead too much. Mm-hmm. I, that because I know this next, the next song is Hell in a Bucket, which is a song that I kind of in my mind historically disliked, and the lyrics are idiotic. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, you and your high society friends can go fuck yourselves. That was that was old before Bobby was born. So, you know, that, that, yeah. but I actually enjoyed the, the so there's some musical stuff and part of it's Garcia doing that. Yeah. And I actually sort of like, you know, that's not a horrible. Song. I mean, I, I don't like throwing stones, but Hell in a Bucket actually kind of. Oh, this is going to be interesting if you don't like Thorns. <laughs> well, yeah, we're getting ready to tussle. <laughs> J- jumping ahead, I mean, listening to it, I thought Hell in a Bucket was still 
pretty bad kind of crap. Yes, and I, and I thought, I mean, Garcia was one of the culprits. In fact. It's just, it's just really, it's really, <laughs> uh, it's just, when, it's pedestrian. Well, let, let's, let's, yeah, let, yeah. There's, not, the, there's the, not a lot of. Not a lot of verve to it. No, no, no. There's, no, there's, just, there's, it's just sort there's of, nothing uh, interesting about let, it. It's something. completely predictable. Let's play a little bit of this uh, okay. track, but I want to know, for, before we do this, going around the room, if you're a Bobby fan. Carrie. What do you mean? Are you a fan of Bob Weir? Do you like the Bob Weir tracks? I do. Okay. But Dave. Oh. I, I'm a big fan of, of, of Bob okay, Weir. Okay, Bobby. Yeah. I love Bobby, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. we yeah. all love Bobby. Bobby is an underrated guitar player. Right. But then this happens. I think we can all agree that that's that's complete ass. I think think we've all had enough. We we can all agree that's complete ass. No, but I I say it's it's only half ass. It is. Well, it is. I mean, I was listening to it earlier this week, and I got, like, great enjoyment out of it. There's there's a corniness in in being a Bobby fan that you have to to embrace. Otherwise, you don't like Bobby. Like, intellectually. You asked. You asked. When you were framing your question, like, do you like the Bob songs? Is is that how you put it? Well, like, no, are you a Bobby a Bob- fan? In no, general? but then you also said something after that. Do you like the Bob numbers? Those are different questions. I <laughs> okay. love Bob right. Weir, the singer. I Tar-tar. love most of all Bob Weir, the guitarist. Right. But uh, I don't necessarily how, love, you know, the Bob song. How does that happen? Well, songwriting <laughs> is a different skill. It's, yeah, okay, this totally song, different. Uh, yeah, this song and then, like, Tons of Steel is just... I'm glad you mentioned Awful. that. Awful. We don't have to listen to that. No, and it's like, please don't make us listen to that. that. But it has, show, it has the, same, it has the same issues. And we were talking about it during while I was playing. But that every song has a bad sound effect. Well, well because. <laughs> and, and Tons of Steel <laughs> is the fucking worst. Because it oh. sounds like Allentown. It's like you've got the <laughs> crappy Billy Joel Allentown. But it also sounds like the bad Eagles. Like Here. bad Glenn Fry <laughs> Eagles. Not There is no bad Eagles. Not John Henley Eagles. so so bad. Here, here's the common thread there, Brent Midland, which which we can talk about now. That that's been oh, cracked open. The Brent subtopic. The, the, the Brent subtopic. <laughs> so so you know the Grateful Dead have a have a history of ha- of burning through keyboard players for whatever. It's like the Spinal Tap drummer. It's a Spinal Tap drummer. Yeah, <laughs> he's just a little globule. He was yeah. just and 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 uh, in the eighties, <laughs> yeah. like they got Brent Midland. Now 
the thing about Brent Midland was he could actually sing. Yes. Well, in oh, he quotes. Could could we can agree <laughs> they, to disagree on, like, uh, on that. I think he could uh, sing. I don't think it's always what I wanted to hear. Right, right. I think he was a poor singer. Yeah, okay. But I, I'm with you. You I, have I'm to understand you. this, though. Both Dave and I, for the most part, like Donna. This is this is going weird places, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not look. I'm not saying you got to sit through sunrise. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> that's true though. I'm, if we are all I'm agree, very, very but if pro, it's like pro Donna, but if it's like if it's the yeah. chorus of Sugary in '76, okay, yeah, her I'll, vocals yeah, sound yeah, really yeah. sweet, and they're great, and I so, miss them when they're not there. So, so, so Midland was a writer on this. This was Barlow, Weir, and Midland. So, if you can imagine these two guys. And Midland, who, like, in my mind, Midland just, like, deserves a wedgie, like, constantly. People just be like, dude. Well, he gave himself a wedgie. He did give it. He gave himself the eternal the wedgie. Ultimate, the big wedgie. And, 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 you know, that's tragic and stuff. But he was, you know, on that, like, painting this weird picture of, uh, I don't know if it's the American West or, like, whatever he thought was going on in his lyrics. And that Tons of Steel song is, is a perfect example of that. Like, romanticizing shit that is just, like, ass. And it's been romanticized dozens of over times. Over and over and over yeah. again. Well, and you so, keep listening to it, and you're like, is this like a metaphor for something? No, no. it's just a shit song. Yeah, it's, it's not. not. It's a song about it's the trucks. fucking train and trucks. <laughs> it's just awful. The same thing that people have written songs about for 8,000 years. I've never listened to so, Convoy. And, and he sings that one. Me too. And, and, that's, and, and that's, that's why it can't escape the fate of just being like, this is, you have to pass this song. You can't. Like, I was anybody in this room on acid, like, when they played this live? Because... No. Th- no. Okay, good. No. Because <laughs> that would be horrible, it's right? It's like you were waiting for us to actually answer that question. <laughs> no. I, I, un, uh, un, unusually, mm-hmm. I was looking at the at the liner notes last night. It's one of the very few Grateful Dead songs that I can think of where the same writer writes both the uh, the words and the music. Yes, yes. Because I, I don't know if that was the norm for him. If he usually worked with, with I, Barlow, that would make sense. I think I think he, but, uh, but not on this one. He, he he did it all. Yeah, he did. He, he, he <laughs> it's did all it on all. you, man. I mean, he, yeah, he, exactly. he was he was friends with Garcia. That's how he got in the band. And yeah, they so, got along. They got along very well. It seems. No, Garcia never really recovered from his death. I mean, he was really yeah. really hurt by that. You know, so so it gave him a little get a little uh, little leeway there. But I mean, I think that that level of ass, like if you compare like the lyrics of even like. Let's go back to Hell in a Bucket. Compare Hell in a Bucket to anything off, like, Working Man's Dead. Anything off. Oh, I wouldn't. Compare it to fucking Dyer. I mean, like, but these are the same guys writing this, right? I thought about that question a lot. Yeah. Listening to this record last night. It's like comparing, uh, I don't know, something off Face Dances to, uh, <laughs> you know, Pinball Wizard. Yes. You know, it's you can do that with any number of bands. And, and they come up short every time. Yeah. You know? So that's not a... Fault of this record or or the dead, it almost seems inevitable. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a uh, it's just sort of part of the gig. But at the same time, you know, like I said, uh, Barlow, like master poet. Well, I I don't <laughs> think he is. <laughs> no, I think that I think that, that Hunter, Hunter is closer Hunter to that. Is, Hunter's is, a wonderful is a visionary oh, visionary writer. I think that Barlow is a, Barlow is, a, is, is, a is a is a comparative hack. Even though there's some lyrics he's written that I've liked, um, I mean, it's I don't think it's an accident that we're. I don't think he's a hack, but I don't think he's a he, visionary. Like, I think he like can Hunter be. Is a, is a visionary. He, I mean, he's, he's not. You, he's can, not Hunter. you can be somewhere in the middle. I yes. suppose you're right, but I you know yeah. it's no accident that I think Weir's best songs he wrote with Bob Hunter. I mean, Bob oh Hunter, sure, I know Bob Hunter. Bobby yeah, Hunter, how do you follow Bob Hunter? <laughs> I've never heard you uh, 
put it that way before. I never you know. put it that way before. Robert Hunter, um, <laughs> Jack Straw playing the band. Yeah, you know, greatest story. I mean, those songs, and and you know, I, I just that's he never, and I he wrote songs that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like music yeah, never stopped. Too. I like music never stopped quite a me bit. Me too. That's a yeah. great song. Me too. Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah. Cassidy. I think is isn't that Hunter? No, I just looked that oh, up. Is it Barlow? It yeah. is. Uh, it's it a is great Barlow. Song. Yeah, because yeah, Barlow was tapped more. He wanted to be those. Guys. Hey, look, I love weather reports. And Hunter sleep. was those guys. Oh, that's oh true. well, yeah. Before, yeah, yeah, all those guys, but Jerry, yep, was those guys. This yeah. is actually something I think we should probably start doing with each of these discography episodes. Yeah. Is actually identifying for. I realized that with the discography, you're probably going to have like an older audience that already knows this. But for anybody that's younger that's listening to this, this album came out before cell phones, before CDs. Yeah. Before the no, internet, not before CDs. No, but, not. but CDs had just started. Yeah, they, they, so they were. If just... you had, the, I mean, it wasn't like CDs were everywhere. If you were listening to this, it was either on album or it was on cassette, unless you had an eight hundred dollars CD player or the radio, radio. or the radio, radio exactly. Right. But there also are liner notes, and if you look at the liner notes on the album, there is a Grateful Dead hotline for the West Coast <laughs> and for the East Coast, and there are phone numbers that, that you can call. <laughs> I well, oh god! I, back when they were touring, there was I, mail order. No, not mail, mail order. order tickets. I had a, fr- yeah. I, I had a friend who did them. I have some of those, and they're they're really lovely. But no, you could. There was a number you could call after like one or two in the morning and get the set list from the last show, and the guy would read it off. He's like, you know, <laughs> Rin County, uh, Earth. <laughs> Bertha Cassidy, <laughs> Ramble. Oh my God! But it was like people would be like, "Did you hear what they played in Rockford, Illinois last night?" And you'd be like, "Yeah, they opened with a Cumberland. That's awesome." You know, because like, I called the number and found out. You called the just, number and listened to the schmuck doing the recording. Wait, wait, I've been, I've been so trying to track be... in my head like how many times we have said, "Oh yeah, I looked that up." Oh yeah, I I ran the numbers on that. Oh yeah, I double Could... checked that. Because it takes five seconds to look up anything on the internet. The Grateful Dead invented the internet, maybe? <laughs> yeah, via telephone. Via, 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 Actually, it's funny. Barlow is like the, I think he's still the chief of uh, EFF. Yeah, I know. So, so they, uh, he's one of the Yale, Yale attorneys. One of you guys. But yeah, it was, um, it was, a, it was a very different world. Um, you call this hot one's 900 so, number. So, <laughs> so there's like an East Coast. I wonder if somebody actually has those numbers now. Because they recycle so many numbers. Can you imagine if you if your Maybe number is like the Maybe Grateful Dead hot number? Do you, a, number. <laughs> do you have a Grateful Dead emergency? You know, <laughs> you'd be surprised how it. busy they really, really are. Want to still, call it. I was like, come on, somebody call it. Yeah, <laughs> what if yeah, right, here we go. Being, though, like, they play Rosemary Live. See if they want to join in. Yeah. <laughs> Which All right. Like hey, we were just talking about you guys. Like, do we have a Grateful Dead problem? Where do we start? <laughs> we want to know about the ass and the few songs. Yeah, yeah. There's Are you quite still a bit proud of, of that song? There's Somebody a quite a bit of dial music. Like, do, 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 do. I'm going to call the West Coast line since it's late. Yeah, yeah right. No, that's good, that's good. good. Idea. That's good. Those East Coast people were probably already in bed. Yes, they probably had dinner around four. Disconnected. 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 Okay. That's right. the end of an era. Aw, huh? too bad. Put on your speaker. <laughs> all right, fine. Again, because oh, no. we're all old. So, so but, but you know, we determined Hell in a Bucket is is half ass. Uh, you said something interesting. So, uh, this is a song I actually quite like. But 
I will acknowledge that the ass and because there's a lot of ass on this album. Let's be clear. Yeah. Uh, but but this song, <laughs> this song, <laughs> this song is. Uh, we, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about this. Okay, that's fine. This, that, this was listening listening last night. I mean, I thought the record was kind of thick and and dull and and not pleasing to the ear. In, in large part, mm-hmm. this was one of the songs that I thought had a little bit of snap to yep. it and a little yep. more life than the rest. And it's starting to wear off on you because you're doing you know. sound effects during your critique. Uh, what, what we're talking about here is throwing snap. <laughs> Uh, that's my pretty much the modern. That, so, yeah, so yeah. That right. that song, whatever you think of it, is they wrote that. This is a, a weirdly apolitical band, um, but they wrote that. Part of it had to do with Brent, but they wrote that to basically talk about global warming back in eighty seven. 
They, and global warming wasn't that the oh global warming? Yeah, oh, sorry, I was thinking of the rainforest. Yeah, well, that, that rainforest. Was a, well, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the prequel to global warming. Right, right, yeah. right. And and the rock activism. Yeah, the rock activism went yeah, along. Yeah, 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 exactly. Along with exactly. That. Wrote that. Like the Hobbit. But but if you hear that, like the politicians, <laughs> <laughs> politicians throwing stones, like we're here in right. 2017, and it's just like if they if the dead were around, they busted it out. You're still trying to make that Barlow as a profit argument, aren't yes, you? Yes, aren't you? <laughs> you are. Because I'm thinking to myself, I always hated that line. And, and you're saying, and look, it came true 30 years later. Prophetic. <laughs> and well, I just, oh, wow. They, that my, Barlow. Michael Exhibit A, it did, it did come true. So, <laughs> if you sing enough songs, one this of them This record will was come prophecy. True. Yes, it was. No, no it wasn't. And, and, and look, you know, I. I think you said something interesting in off mic when we were in the break where you said this was you got you liked this song when you first got into the dead. And this is actually one of the first songs that I got into the dead. I heard this before like say Franklin's Tower. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, okay, this and and so you get a little glimpse into Garcia's playing and that as a guitar player, as a person who was just starting to play guitar literally that year. Yeah. It was just like this is super interesting. I haven't heard this before. What's going on with this guy? Because instead of doing like like ass rock heavy metal solos and shit, you have this sort of speedy, weird percussive like lines. He's, just, he's a narrator. Yeah, yeah. If you go to see a show for two and a half hours, three hours. Garcia's the the light in front of the train mm-hmm. and the whole show, and you're like, who does that? It's 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 a totally unique position to be in a band, you know. So yeah, yeah. and this song does have these kind of behind there it, doing stuff i jumped immediately from this to uh, and i don't know which year it came out but it was uh it might have been the same year uh, without a net and that, that's actually that's actually what really got me really that's yeah so and, it, and and what really got me about that was weirdly uh i was a big fan of uh sting's first album and then that got me into brand for marcellus and so they said hey brand for marcellus is playing on this like 15 minute track eyes of the world you should listen to it and i was like Yes, I should, and it just and then everything like locked in like for me. Mm, but this reminds me of like that, and like going back and even listening to shows around this time, like you hear like the way they were playing. There was a lot of this, you know. We haven't really talked about how the production is different from say seventies albums or oh. anything. Like uh, like all eighties, it's cocaine powered. It's well, trebles high, and perhaps you know, it is. It doesn't have it doesn't have the depth. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. pretty. It's a thin-sounding, thin-sounding record. Yeah. See, I, I, I really like this song, um, and I feel like, to my ear at least, and I, you know, I'm not as well versed in the dead as, uh, you know, most people on this podcast or some people who want to listen to this podcast. Um, but I do feel like this is kind of the quintessential sound of the Grateful Dead. That when you hear it, you know immediately who it is. Yeah. And they, the thing that they do so well is they make these deceptively simple songs where you think there's just this simple song playing in the background, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna sit around and maybe mow my lawn, and then maybe come in and smoke some pot later on. Um, but it actually has so much to it. There's, it's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more depth. To the, I feel like Throwing Stones actually does have a lot of depth to it. Um, there's a lot of intricate things going on underneath it. You should, it's not killing you with sound effects, but then it's all just kind of layered over with this like gauze of you know pot smoke and dirty flannel. You should say but, full disclosure, you were in the Peace Corps. Full disclosure, I was in the Peace <laughs> so, Corps. <laughs> so I think... <laughs> and I, I again, I did go to a very large state university where there may or may not have been a lot of pot. Yeah. 
uh, you know, it's. And I did see them live on this album. Oh, did you? I saw them in '88, and it was amazing. It's kind of mean to say that you should see that. You know, you have to see the Grateful Dead live in order to really appreciate the. Because I, you know, this is on every minute of the day. Yeah. Uh, when I was, you know, transitioning from high school to college. And it was on in every single dorm room. And it was on album, and then you'd hear the same side played over and over, and then somebody would get up and turn it over and play the other side over and over. Um, and then when I saw them live, it was like, oh, I get it. It is really like being indoctrinated into this whole other layer. But I don't think that it, not seeing them means you can't appreciate the, the band. Well, no. No, 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 no. no. And, and by the way, I mean, my first show was in 85, and I know that I never saw them at their peak. Are anywhere close to it, right? Right, and I still appreciate that stuff immensely, right. and how powerful it would have been to be there, but also just how powerful it is as as music and yeah. art. Um, well, I yeah, just, you know, I have my comfort. I've come comfortable with it that I saw them past their prime. Yeah, and That's by okay. '88, you yeah. know, a lot of they were a lot of them were sitting on stools. I mean, I saw Crosby, Stills, and Nash <laughs> that same year all sitting on stools. Like yeah. they didn't stand up almost the entire concert. And by by the time, and it, I mean, granted, it was in the summer. It was Louisville, Kentucky. It was blazing fucking hot, and there was so much pot in that arena. I don't know how anybody was still standing by the end of three and a half hours. And it was incredible <laughs> that that man who had been through all the health problems that he had was able to stand that entire show. Where did you see that? Uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Where? Uh, whatever the arena is in Louisville. Freedom Hall. No, no, no. It was outside. Oh, it was outside. Yeah, I saw them. In, I saw them there. Yeah, it was it was outside. <laughs> oh, so yeah, uh, oh, well, and Garcia. Were you guys at the same show, man? Shows. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, <laughs> same show. Oh my god! You know, so what are the chances? About a grilled cheese sandwich from you. So yeah. you know, we were talking a little bit about the ass and stuff, but you know, <laughs> you've been talking about. The I ass. have been talking about the ass. Don't, don't you bring us into the week? Yeah, but <laughs> but but the reality is, is like I, I think uh, in in revisiting this. This album is actually held up as a pretty fucking decent, like Grateful Dead album. If you, if you, because we can now cut it off. Built to Last was the last studio album, so we can now contextualize everything. But they they put a song at the back end of this, and um, I want to play just a little bit of this because I, I think for me at least, I think this ties. This is the song that ties this back to all the other stuff. So. When I'm listening to this album, when I listen to it back then and when I listen to it now, uh, you know, I hear all these songs and I hear, like, just running through it, like, you know, we have the uh, Hell in a Bucket, When Push Comes to Shove, which I agree with you, Michael, is a bullshit song. Yeah, uh, but it's a total Garcia move. Like, why? I mean, it's just, it's exactly what he would do. But uh, <laughs> West, West L.A. Fadeaway, I, I can't even. I like West L.A. Do you? One of the best songs on the record. Okay, yeah. so do we, do we want to do this? See, I was going to go Black Money River because I think that ties it back to Working Man's Dead for people. West LA Fadeaway is is dark in a way that they were rarely willing to go. And I and, and they played it live for a while, and I always kind of dug it. I thought it had something. It had some attitude. That was, I guess, mainly. It also has some good lyrics. The, well, some, some of the rhyme oh, schemes like are forced yeah, and stupid. Yeah, the lyrics pretty... Yeah, I agree with darkly humorous. Yeah, don't, you're don't say copacetic in a song ever yeah. if you mm-hmm. are out there so, listening and take my word. But but it, there's there's a line in there that says, I met an old mistake walking down the street today. Didn't want to be mean about it, but I didn't have one good thing to say. And it's just like, that. it just hits you in a way where you're like, God bless, that's funny. Well, no. well, well, let, well let's do that. I, I was going to say it, and you guys were like, fucking zag. Like, come on. So I think this is a... Elegant, cool songs. All right, what's that life anyway? I had a steady 
job Hauling items for the mark That's uh, Jerry trying to do the CD thing. I think about like maybe three minutes in, Carrie, you were like, "Don't do the CD thing." Like you're you're not you're not selling it. It's just the 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 forced rhyme schemes, and if you can't come up with a good lyric, just leave the lyric. Just drop it. Right. Play Play a longer guitar solo. Yeah. Or or shorten the song to six minutes instead of seven and a half. Yeah. No, that's the problem on the whole record. That's something they (laughs) should. Every song on this record is too long. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I, I I think I think Eduardo mentioned West LA Fadeaway too, like in an email chain. I think and, it's a good song. I think it's an interesting song because I think they try to they, they try to push themselves in a different direction. I mean, basically, it's about Belushi, and so it's about oh, yeah. it's about yeah. stuff that they don't usually approach. You would usually hear maybe Steely Dan even deal with this, yeah, you know, in yeah. the glamour profession. But this is, and this is. This is not glamour profession by any means, no, no, but no. it's, but it's, but it's, I like it as an attempt to do something different, yeah. lyrically and mood wise. Um, I mean, they weren't that old here, no. you know, and so uh, it's it's just nice to hear them go in every direction. And I liked it live. I thought it was a good song live. You know, Garcia had sounded better than this. We were talking about the sound, and this is pretty processed live. Well, I, I have seen I have good. seen iterations of the Dead do this live, and it's just like people freak out, and then it, it is the jam song. People are like, "Yeah, all right, it's the white man's blues," but then that's okay. It's like it's fine. That's sort of what they did. That was their jam. But uh, it's, I mean, it's between when push comes to shove and tons of steel. Oh, for the dog? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's 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 sandwiched between that. Oh, oh! I see you saying. Yeah, I thought, I thought. Yeah, yeah no, 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 you meant what, Michael? Uh, for the loser of the no, record. No, 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 uh, no. No, uh, the, lo- the loser of the record is clearly tons of steel. Um, <laughs> that race has been run. Lindsay, Lindsay we actually well, all agree. Well, from the from the very start, they they the what? they open with they open with a stock fucking train sound that chugga 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 and then also but then also it's like like the the steel hammer hitting the peg yeah right it's like all right chain game and then it stops for a split second and the band starts and they're not it does sound better on Alan Tone oh yeah Alan Tone's a much better song if we're sort of saying 
that yeah, this this album kind of sucks. Times it does. Times it does. Sometimes it does. If we're sort of saying this album kind of sucks, why did it get so many fucking people into the dead? I I would if I wouldn't. I'm not comfortable saying I think it kind of sucks. I don't think I, it I, I can sucks. take it I on its own merits. I feel the sucks. same way about this as I do about Brett Minland. Actually, I don't really <laughs> dig him, right? Or even you know like what mm-hmm. he does. But but I'm just fine with uh, with Brent. Okay. You know I, I I bear no ill will. I bear this record no ill will. Right. That's a weird thing though with dead fans. Uh, <laughs> like it, it, you can have people. I, no, but I I bear Mickey Hart ill will. You know, oh so, so I so I have it within often, me to uh, often. Me tell, tell me about this. <laughs> oh, where do you but, start? But with Brent and, and well, with and this honestly, record, I don't think about it. Where's Mickey Hart on this? Well, well uh, he's the there with every thud. He's not a drummer. Yeah, and they shouldn't have given him a drum set because he's a percussionist. He's yeah. fine on the on the, on the yeah. fucking triangle in West yeah. LA. It's fine, <laughs> but it's like, oh, look, <laughs> and it's like enough. Yeah, he should have stopped at some point and said, you know, if I had the sex and the drugs, I wouldn't need the rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, so, so you're sort of like it's not it, you're like you don't begrudge it. You're, you're just no, like, but no, how? Not did, at all. But, but so how did it Good get for them? But but. It's not like you're not going to reach for it, right? No. I, I mean, I listened to it last night for the first time yeah. in, in 20 years. Easy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it'll be that long. You know, yeah. But just because why bother? It'll be well, 10 years. I like the 40th things. anniversary. <laughs> I, 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 I really right. enjoy like the. the you have me back. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoy the tragedy and bad things. So I, you know, and, and so I will reach for this. And I also like cheesy shit. So it's fine. It's a great um, record. But, it is a great so, record. I so mean, by the yeah. way, when this was when this came out, he was uh, Dre Garcia was forty five. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, and the, the, I, the reason I just figured that out is that earlier you were like, "Oh, they weren't that old." I'm no, like, they weren't. "No, they're yeah. our fucking age." He was exactly were, their age. I just looked up everybody's like birth dates. They weren't that old because I could look up because I have a computer in my goddamn hand. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's asking forty five. And, and if I'm, I remember them being. Agent, and well, I mean, Garcia physically was eighty-five, but yes. Right. If I'm being honest with myself about a song I would write right now, and thinking they were monstrously ancient. If I'm being honest with myself, a song I would write right now, it would be more tons of steel and less. (laughs) 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 Because I'm forty-five. That's why. That's why you do podcasts and you don't (laughs) write songs, Kevin. Please, but but, but back to the question is like, so if, if this is not the thing. That this is not the it got him in the consciousness and that single was all over the place and maybe it was a different time for concerts. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a different time. It's definitely a different time. But but why then did their audience literally like triple? Well, they had like this took down the Grateful Dead. This took down Jerry Garcia. This fed into and they they display it really well in the documentary, The Long Strange Trip. This basically fed. They were dealing with bad elements in the crowd, and all of a sudden. The crowd was like so exponentially larger than they could ever deal with, and it was it was the end. Um, why this record? Well, I mean, well, it had a hit single. It's a big part of it, yeah. And so it gave permission to people and, and to like on, them, and it was on it was on MTV. Well, yeah, as I'm saying though, I mean, the album itself. But are you gonna go if you just hear a hit single? Are you gonna go stand in a lot for? hours and get fucked up no i think if, and, but if like, you're gonna make a decision to give the dead a chance based on that yeah then all of a sudden i mean touch of gray was a decent gateway drug mm-hmm. for people who weren't that interested before 
And that's fine. Exactly. And then you also, you throw in Black Muddy River and throwing stones for the old guard that's waiting for something else to come up. And it's, you know, the Grateful Dead never actually went away. They're a huge band that were waiting for something to happen to. And I was just looking up um, that uh, Steel Wheels came out like a year later. So you've got the resurgence of the Rolling Stones as well, because I saw the Rolling Stones that year also. It's the first time I'd ever seen them. And it was... You know, like as a teenager, you had heard about these bands your whole life, but you had no, you, you kind of thought of them as classic rock. Yeah. And then they come out with two brand new, and, and you really can't discount how important MTV was at that time. Right. Because now you can look up a video on your phone. But at that time, if it didn't come on MTV, you didn't know what it was. You had right. to stay up for Friday night videos to get anything new. You There was nothing for... Other than the radio, you really didn't have a, a, an who's, outlet. Who's that person things. that only got their music from MTV that saw a Touch of Grey and then just showed up at the lot and was like, oh, I don't know that, that. But were those people who only got their music from MTV? I don't know about that. I mean, maybe they just heard it. And they're For like, a while, small towns, if you had cable, you didn't have a record uh, store, man. Maybe. I don't know. I just I think that was it was a gateway because it was a hit single yeah. and they didn't really have that before. Um, and I was... Look, I was happy for them because they worked their ass. I was happy for them for the fair of the oil, which is a fucking abortion. It was horrible. It was horrible, yeah. And I still was happy. If they made money, excellent. Good. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I have a lot of respect for these guys as people, as thinkers, as musicians. I think they do a they, they work their ass off to mm-hmm. be as good as they could be. Except for Mickey. Except for Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh You can come back anytime. <laughs> <laughs> the He-Man Mickey Hater Club. We could do, it, we could in, we could in t- do an entire show about the timing, sir. Ab- about is how Mi- Mickey Hart was the it was the uh, I don't say the downfall. The John Wilkes Booth. T- yes, <laughs> of, uh, of the Grateful oh, Dead. Yeah, the Grateful Holy Dead shit. being Abe Lincoln. Yes. <laughs> so so. Dave, if you had Shot to say, theater, right? if you had to say, like the sucky parts of this album, would you say like this is all Mickey? No, okay, no, okay, no, right. no, Mickey, this is uh, par for the course, you know, Mickey Hart, you know, so for better and worse, you know, the production is he's, he's not the culprit here. Production isn't right. good. Uh, there's some good songs. There's some not so good songs, you know, but. It's a typical hit or miss album of the 80s. Uh, yeah, perhaps that is. I don't know. Yeah, you, you got half but the songs it, are great and half the songs are crap in the in their catalog. You mentioned the fairly well, but I mean, they have. Now, like many iterations of this, uh, that have cycled through, they've had oh, the other ones. Well, they've had yeah. the dead. They've had. I don't. I don't care about because to me, Garcia was the dead. I. I so agree. I don't care about any of them. You can still have a little bit of fun at it. I mean, and, and some of it's actually good. Uh, I know. I, could, I, know I couldn't. I watched. I, <laughs> okay. I watched. I watched simulcast of Dead and Company, and it was perfectly good. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, it just reminds me that the reason for their existence. I don't is know dead. if I do that. I would go. And just be like, okay, I'm out of show. Well, this is a city field. I'm not going to go to a fucking yeah, yeah. baseball or football stadium to see them. That's great. Right, right. But, but yeah. But, but but so, you know, where do you think, aside from Touch of Grey, let's leave that out and say this wasn't on this. Can these songs, any of these songs exist outside of, like, a deadhead uh, worldview? Can it, like... They wouldn't get played outside of a deadhead worldview. Like without, and, and without this by, is the anchor. And what I mean by that is like there are people who go see like the other ones or Dead and Company now yeah. who are just like 
fucking Franklin's Tower, man. Fucking Cassidy. Fucking Casey Jones. And they, and invariably, they're all like, touch of gray. But mm-hmm. Divorce That cut the head off this album. And you know, there's all the rest of the stuff. Do these songs survive? And, you know, or do they just wither like in their catalog? And I didn't, this is, this I is where I completely lacked in, in, or flailed in doing research. I don't know how that, like, works through the rest of their albums. Well, they only had one. I mean, the next one. I mean, before well, that? Well, no, before that. Oh, the like, whole, you guys, like, not just. Like, yeah. this is, this is, we are not a facts-based podcast, but you guys telling me that Althea <laughs> was on uh, Go to Heaven? Yeah. I was just like, fuck. Two people have said that. That makes it true. Yeah, now, but now I have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's, and I've listened to I, it I love once. That song. I listened to it once, and it was so bad, the album, that I was just like, I don't even remember it being on that it's album. It's not. So. It's not a very good record. I like Feel Like a Stranger. It's just not a very good record. It's just yeah. The record isn't well made. Yeah. It's Sailor uh, Circumstance, right? Sailor Saint. Sailor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sailor Sir, Sir. yeah right. I mean, that's, there's some, I mean, 82, there are innumerable, really cool versions of those songs. You're like, this song fucking rocks. This is a really yeah. cool song. Yeah. You would never know it listening to that record. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. But this record, here's an interesting thing. Because we're talking about Helena Bucket and Throwing Stones, Bobby songs. Yeah. And um, a song that was played during this time, which never made it, which is a song called Brother Esau. Yeah. Which was on, which it might be than, on the vinyl. It's it's actually listed. I think it was a the, bonus it was the B, track. It was the B-side. It's yeah, the B-side. It was the B-side. Okay, yeah, right. I think it's better than both of these songs. Mm-hmm. I like that song. And... It just never, I, mean, I don't know. Right. You know, they stopped playing it after a while. And I thought it was an interesting little character study. And it was and it was just, it sounded good. I liked the song. Yeah. And what sucks is that if they had cut Throwing Stones, which is seven minutes and 18 seconds. Well, he's lost and then they, they, <laughs> It's a good song, but they could cut half of that thing out. And then Tons of Steel, they could just take it off the album altogether. But it's five fucking minutes. Right. If they cut either of those for Brother the length that they might want, then, then you would have room on an album. I rarely, for... rarely say that a song just shouldn't exist. And Tons of Steel is one of those songs. Well, <laughs> or it shouldn't be at least on the album. I mean, No, it shouldn't exist. They had, just... to, they had to make Brent happy. Why, I don't know. I mean, he was the luckiest man in show business. But whatever. He was... I just seriously look it up today to see whether or not Glenn Fry was the guest singer on that <laughs> he what that maybe i'd missed it somewhere and i yeah. it was like that song is just it's bad so glenn fry it's isn't so, that but also that it's, an it's a terrible the long song run also, <laughs> <laughs> another song that shouldn't exist we haven't but it, this is telling me that i need to have you down here for the eagles podcast oh my i God, love man. the fucking eagles so you we, do yes and we have not done an eagles podcast <laughs> i just hate the fucking eagles man yeah it's okay I don't uh, hate get out of my cast. I, I don't hate everything about them, but I I hate how smug they are, and I hate that Glenn Fry is a misogynist a hole. Um, All these was, things are true. Was a misogynist? Well, a-hole. good point. He's much better now. I I I mean, at the end of this, I find him more tolerable. Instead of the song, instead of the song at the end of this, I want to play a clip of uh, probably Eduardo crying a little bit when when Paul starts talking trash about Desperado. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's literally, it's literally like, but Desperado. <laughs> That's his argument? Yeah. yeah. Exhibit A, it's Desperado. it's Desperado. Is that where Sadwardo originated? Yes, that is exactly where Sadwardo <laughs> Sad Um But, uh, so, so. It's like it... he, 
He needs to know he needs to be here to defend himself, or he's always no. going to get this kind of treatment. He's, he's just always going. I don't think he want me on an Eagles podcast, I, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I happy. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. On both sides of the thing. So, so uh, I love the Eagles. I don't like Glenn Frey. I don't like and any now, of them. And now we're done. I'm mad. There's songs that I do sorry, like. Sorry, I'm sorry, Kevin. You were in the middle of your thing, and I no, 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 it's fine. Uh, you know, as, as we as we sort of wrap this up, you know, when we are now in a, a year, two years actually, where we a remarkable amount of press for the Grateful Dead. Yeah, a rediscovery of the Grateful Dead. I mean, people, the the release of that Barton Hall show was not insignificant. Like that will, I think, fuel people discovering them for Good. maybe easily the next five years, That'd maybe the next decade. It should. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, and if you go uh, on your streaming services, kids, and, and just type in Grateful Dead, it, it is <laughs> – it's very daunting because maybe 50 albums come up. They're all like Dick's picks, Dave's picks, and you're like, who's Dick? Who's Dave? Just fucking, <laughs> just fucking, hit, just fucking hit play, man. Well, they picked a lot of fucking music, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah. They're like, these all have the same songs. I'm like, just hit play, man. But, but you know, when people are discovering them, like, do you think, and this is more a general question of, of their albums in general, like, should people look to, uh, an album like this, or even we didn't even talk about Built to Last, uh, which was their last album. So, uh, so, so obviously they weren't. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, Or anything that came before that, the, the sort of weird period albums. You know, is should people be looking for that, or should they really just stick to the live stuff? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's the two hit records that... Uh... You gotta know. There are. Well, there's. Those, I, I'd say there's. Working man's, the working you know, man's and, in America. And, and America. I'd say there, I'd say there's, beautiful record. I'd say there's you know, two hits, so. and I would say Reckoning. Reckoning's a great record. Yeah, yeah, it is a good record. It's a live record. Yeah, it's a live but yeah, record, really but it, it is. It's it's taken from a bunch of different. Well, here's what I. If you're gonna go there, I'd say Europe City Two is something that everybody should hear. Yeah. I mean, Europe City Two is a record that got me into them, and and same with uh, Grateful Dead. The Skullfuck, like Skulls and Roses. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he's studio records. Well, but he went. You went to Reckoning. Well, I, well, no, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, uh, like I, we, I'm just wondering. I think where, Terrapin, where do Terrapin, people, I think where do people stop exploring? I think Terrapin is a is. It's got where some, did the dead stop exploring? No, where, now where, there's where, a good where question. Where should listeners now? If you, if you heard, if you're listening to this and you're like, because you, because you listen to because a lot of our listeners are like indie rock fans, right? So we did the dead, and so it was wild. We did the dead, and all of a sudden, all these people came out, and I was getting emails going. I love the dead. I can't believe you're talking about the dead. I was like, yeah, obviously. Come on. Like, I think Terrapin's got some really great stuff on it. Yeah. Do you, do you go to Terrapin, which is. <laughs> I'll go to anything. Has Sunrise. <laughs> well, it does. And it, 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 it but, it, but the, if you listen to the full suite of, of, of Terrapin, it's worth listening to. It's it, all, I agree. It's really I good. But, and the estimated profit has Tom Scott doing the horns. Guy did the horns in Asia. You know, it's not it's not bad shit. It's pretty you just hit Kevin right in the feels. No, no, I mean I was gonna say judges, is that a selling point? Is that a, or is that a run? Well it's a, no A J A at the band aid. Oh, okay. No A J A That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. I, I, I had to think, I was like there's so like on Asia? John Wetton? Even at the moment has a horn section one? Yeah, of course. And Tom Scott did them. Yeah. No, Tom Scott does all the horns on, on Steely Dan's Asia. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is and, an album we're going to talk about later on this year. Uh, happy to participate. You know, one of my favorite records but, of all but, time. But so, but so, like, is it worth people's time to like go back and and actually pick this up and put it on? I, I we can go back to Anthem of the Sun again. I mean, if you want to know what the Dead sounded like, yeah, in sixty seven, sixty eight, it's a fine representation of that. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's just literally, which is, I mean, the literal meaning of the word record. It's it's a, a record document. of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But back to pulling apart your question, though, would it be wiser or make more sense if you're on Spotify to go to some '68 show? Right. Probably. Right. Yeah. That's them at that's them doing what they do. Mm-hmm. The core thing that they do. Right. And in '68, there's stuff where they're just uh, they're unbelievable. They're just doing stuff that warps your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. I think Anthem of the Sun has stuff that rivals that. It's one of the few, because again, they pull a lot of stuff from the live records. Well, for that. It is the shows. Yeah, yeah, pretty much is. Yeah. Um. But I, I think that what I like about Terrapin is the versions on there are very produced, but that gives you a nice little, you know, there's strings on Terrapin. Well, that's kind of interesting. It's a beautiful song. Well, you see, you see a glimpse inside. Live, it was always a little more unhinged, but you see a glimpse inside like them as actual musicians. The opposite of it, uh, and we are going to wrap this up, but the opposite of it is like, say, what we saw before we were coming to the uh, Dirty Projector show. You know, this is a guy, uh, David Longstreth, I think is his name, who, 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 who makes a point in his bio to say how classically trained he is, how all yeah. this stuff he is, and then what, what he's doing. Show, don't tell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Show, <laughs> show don't tell. You're only bringing and, that up and because so, Paul's not here to defend them. No, I'm, I'm bringing it up because it's it's possibly the worst performance I've seen any band give. It was pretty bad. It was fucking awful. And I, I'm not a fan, though. You yeah. may be a little bit. I don't know if you are or not. I, I don't to, like it. I have to listen to any, everything, so like I am aware of them, and I've right. I've come around to a few songs. But, but you know, the dead were not, uh, like, they, they were just, even on these songs, the ass I speak of on these songs is honestly the writing. It's it's just the lyrical content, and the production. No, I'm fine with the production. Are you? I have a little bit of. I issue. remember the '80s. It was fine. Well, yeah, sure, but you know, there's '80s records that I love yeah. the production on. Yeah, this ain't one of them. I mean, look, Martin Hamm did not record this record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so so at the end of the, end of the day, I think this is a thing. Think. This is thanks. thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> this will be more of a curio if you are into the dead, maybe. Like just you, know, you want to see why everybody got into the dead in eighty seven, why everybody is into the dead now, I would argue a lot of people. For a lot of people, like go back and like seriously, don't turn it off when you get to hell in a bucket. Right? <laughs> Fucking do it once. Hit skip. And then no. move on. Don't turn it off. I mean, well, maybe turn it off when you get turn to like off. tons of steel. Tons of steel. We, we yeah. There's no way you can't really endorse that. No, track. but it, but uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. You remember the song? I so know he does that. That's all. That's all that. We're gonna use that as the uh, the fade out music, right? Yes. Cue it up. Yeah. Cue it up. So <laughs> so it's ready to roll as soon right. as uh, as soon as we wrap Dave this thing wants up. Dave to hear <laughs> tons of steel and. Uh, and actually, you know what? We're just going to see what happens here. This is sort of like uh oh, please don't. This is sort of like a version therapy. Here you go. Oh, yeah. Give it a chance. Yeah. Give it another chance, everybody. Well, you know, but here's the thing. <laughs> Very creative moment here. Ah! 
Some music, something I will say is, yeah. like, this is everything I like. I We're still rolling. <laughs> That's fine. There's nothing I like here. Like, there's, there's this no is pretty much everything I do not like. It's, exactly. it's, it's any good. Oh, God. <laughs> but, guys, he's thinking about trains and trucks. Trains That's never been trucks. done before. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for coming down. Hey, thanks, yeah, for, yeah, thanks well, for having me. And thanks I'm sorry you had to suffer through that. <laughs> we got a great big convoy. It's, it's the reason. It's the reason we all came together. Yes, Brent? tons of steel. Yes, yes. Yeah. So he, he was did, part of it. I think we did detox. That is, he was, that he is was the sound of, of America, my friends. America, that's right. America. So, Dave, thanks for coming down. You hopefully, bet. hopefully, you come back. You bet. Yeah, I will. Grateful Dead's In the Dark. It is uh, and has been available everywhere for 30 years. And, uh, you know, a lot of ass on that album. A lot of ass on that album. But some some good moments. And as you heard, some very differing opinions of what those good moments are. But that's, you know, that's why, honestly, why we do this podcast. Because we all have different opinions and it's fun to, to talk about it. And not fight about it. And not get in some like internet conversation where like, no, you're right, no, you're wrong, no, this band sucks, no, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it's just a, uh, you know, act like civilized adults. How about that? Um, if you have not heard that album and you are just now getting into Grateful Dead, please go listen to it. It'll, it'll, it'll clarify a whole lot of things, but also like go back. Like my, my friend Sean. Uh, Barna asked me where you should start, and I, I still, sorry, Sean, I need to make that playlist uh, for you. But I would start, honestly, here. Uh, you have this one from The Vault. You have uh, Without a Net. Those all came out within, like, a three- or four-year period. Uh, maybe Don't Do Built to Last, which was their final album, obviously not Built to Last. And then you can go back through all the Dick's Picks, and, and you heard us talk about the uh, Cornell shows and stuff. There's just so much shit out there, and it's uh, it's a good time. Always a good time with the Grateful Dead. Uh, that is our podcast for this Monday. Coming up on Thursday is episode 300. Um, this time last year, we were sitting down with one Bob Boylan, and uh, you guys probably remember that. We might even sort of bump that episode a little later on this week. Uh, it's a great talk with a guy who loves music uh, probably more than we do. Um, and so, you know, you get to these landmarks and you think to yourself, what do you do? And uh, so we had some ideas like people often do, and none of them panned out. But but what we did get in the can uh, is wonderful. And I was talking with some uh, local D.C. artists and uh, my good friend Marcus Dowling, and uh, they are, these artists are on the up and up. They're, they're up and coming, 
And uh, that's all I'm going to say about it right now. But seriously, tune in on, on Thursday. You're going to hear about some great music. We're going to talk about SoundCloud a lot and uh, and uh, maybe a little Mario Kart. We'll get up in there. That's it. That's our podcast for this week. We thank you for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a message or a rating there. You can listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, not SoundCloud, <laughs> not anymore. Um, a couple other places out there. I realize there's some podcast aggregators, uh, but, you know, we're, we're everywhere is what I'm trying to say. Uh, thanks to Pippa, as always, for hosting this podcast. Got some neat stuff. They, these guys are so good. Uh, first of all, they're responsive. If, you, if you're trying to do your own podcast and you're like, where do I start? You start with Pippa. Well, you start with your ideas, but then as far as like the technical side goes, you start with Pippa, and they'll help you set everything up and get it ready for iTunes and all that shit, and it's just a great service. So I went back and forth with them because like any RSS feeder, this is tech talk here, it only picks up like 100 and 150 episodes, and we've got now 300. And I said, hey, guys, is there ever going to be a way to backdate these things? Earlier this week, I got an email from the CEO of this company. and said, hey, we, we basically we made this for you. And that's fucking awesome. They are fucking awesome. So in the next few weeks, you're going to see all our old episodes pop up in the uh, in the feed. And it's uh, and some of them are great. Some of them, I will admit, are horrible, but some of them are great. So thanks to them. Thanks to Jamal Gray, who's been uh, letting us use his aquatic gardener music all year long. Uh, if you are in D.C. and want to look up a thing called Uptown Art House, we'll put a link in the show notes. That's what he's doing now. While he's trying to finish up this Nog Champa record, and uh, just a great dude making great music, and uh, and yeah, that's about it. We're out of here. So come back on Thursday, episode three hundred. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Kenobi!